Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. You A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Patrick Gilmore from the Netflix series Travelers. Uh, We had a great talk. We talked about his career in the acting world, his love of flying planes, and meeting his idol, Harrison Ford. Make sure you check out the podcast on our website, www.themccpodcast.com, where you can find all the latest news and archive episodes. You can also find our social media handles and email on the website as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was a great time talking to Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the cave. Thank you, Elias. What's going on with you, man? What's new with you? Oh, you know, rocking and rolling and whatnot. <laughs> uh, it's been a busy, uh, busy year, and now I'm just kind of settling in for uh, for Christmas. There you go. You taking a little break? Uh, yeah, from work, um, you know, there would be a bit of promotion for, uh, for travelers and which doesn't feel like work and, uh, yeah. And then I'll just be putting my feet up and, and getting drunk on eggnog. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so I want the listeners to get a little bit more about you. Uh, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. Um, and if you're not familiar with, with that area, I, I always liken it to the Texas of Canada, where cowboys and oil and cattle and, um, you know, we're, we're real, real country folk. Oh, there you go. So, uh, did you grow up like in a ranch? No, I, but I grew up grew up on an acreage, um, okay. which sounds a lot grander than it is. It was a subdivision, but we were out in the middle, you know, surrounded by fields, and uh, uh, and you know, didn't have any. TV back in the day to speak of. I think we had two channels and uh, I was never allowed inside for Saturday morning cartoons. So it was outside and climbing trees and in the fields with the, I was lucky enough that my two best friends uh, grew up right next door to me. I mean, (laughs) they were born and raised there and we became best friends, but they were my age and uh, we're still best friends to this day. And we, we just ran through the fields and played GI Joe and, Star Wars and, you know, just kind of, it really fostered an imagination, I think, that yeah. uh, I don't know if I would have had if I had, had stuck around and watched TV all day. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, in a way, that's kind of a good thing that, you know, your parents forced you to go outside. Because like, these days, some of these kids, you know, that that's all they know is TV and iPads in their faces. Yeah, I mean, every generation has that, you know, in my day, it was much better. And so I, I don't know how that that'll affect this generation but i'm i'm grateful that i didn't uh i wasn't placed in front of a tv and and babysat that way that i was i had the experience of of climbing a tree and building a fort and uh uh i i still i still feed off those memories and i still use that that in my in my work were you uh were you into sports at all growing up yeah, my dad was a professional athlete, so sports were were really encouraged, especially team sports. Um, 
And so he, my dad was a hockey player, but they got my brother and I into downhill skiing because skiing was something we could kind of do as a family on vacation. And so my brother and I became downhill uh, racers for uh, Alberta Alpine. Wow. And then um, that was our winter sport. And then we we both played football. I, I, I really got into football. I was a running back and and we tested out other things too. I played hockey one year and and uh, I think I played soccer when I was five. <laughs> but did, it was mostly fo- football and skiing. Yeah. How did you not end up following like your dad's footsteps to try to be a professional hockey player? Were you not into it as much as he was? No, we always were, but they never really forced us into anything. And yeah. so if I go back and I think of everything I wanted to be all growing up, it was it was things like that my dad had done, like being a pilot and uh, being a professional athlete. And I, I was convinced I was going to be a downhill skier. Um, and then I wanted to, uh, you know, I found the, the value in making my friend laugh yeah. in school. And so I remember writing in one of those grade school journal things, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Having no idea what that meant, I just knew the comedians made people laugh. Yeah. And then you just kind of... I just stopped thinking about it. And then it was somewhere around junior high when uh, they started telling you, you know, you need to start deciding because university and college is coming up. And uh, I really enjoyed acting. So did, and, you, uh, did, did so you acted in high school in the theater, I assume? Yeah, I mean, I did plays. My football coach was the, the drama teacher one year, okay. and he was kind of the first guy that said that you can actually do this as a living. And so to get everyone off my back, I just said, yeah, okay, then I'll be an actor. <laughs> but again, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere as far as film and television goes. But I was lucky enough that Edmonton, where I grew up, is one of the richest theater communities in, I dare say, North America. Um, their Fringe Festival was, is the second biggest Fringe Festival in the world next to Edinburgh. And um, so I was able to, after high school, uh, kind of find my way into community theater and local theater and through that just stumbled into uh into tv and if you're going to make a living out of acting you can't really stick around you know a place that's just theater uh because as as fulfilling as theater is it doesn't pay the bills so i had to make a move and i moved to vancouver uh in canada because it was it was close to home and they had a healthy and have the, one of the healthiest film communities. So when you told your parents that that's what you wanted to get into, uh, how did that go? You know, I wish that it had gone harder than it did because <laughs> in those, those years where work is tough and I'm struggling to, to pay the bills, I think, God, why didn't they kick my ass and, and get me to, <laughs> you know, get an employable degree like accountant or engineer, but they were so supportive uh, and they believed so whatever my brother and I decided to do, they, they said, great. Okay. I mean, we had to think logically about how you were going to pursue it. Um, in, in my case, they insisted that I get a, uh, a college university degree just so I had something to back me up. And as soon as I had that, which would ensure that in the future I could, you know, find more work with a, uh, post-secondary degree yeah. that after that I could do whatever the hell I wanted. And, uh, yeah, they're my biggest fans. It's, uh, 
it's I've been really lucky. That's great. That's great. And you did end up going to college, correct? Yeah, I got a degree in um, English literature and history, which yeah. doesn't really <laughs> make you employable, but it's a you know I can always go back and get an education degree or, but it, but that degree itself has also informed the way I I act and tell stories. And, you know, just the, that's what history is and storytelling, and that's yeah. what English is, is the story structure. So I read online that you uh, you were going for your pilot license and you had a good conversation with Harrison Ford. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, <laughs> a conversation might be stretching it. We exchanged words. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, uh, I was lucky enough to go to the um, uh, the aviation, the Living Legends of Aviation Awards last year, and uh, Harrison was uh, presenting that night. So at the end of the evening. Um, I approached him, and uh, and he was on his way out. And I mean, he's Harrison Ford, so I mean, everybody wants a piece of his time. But Harrison was one of these guys that that was a a lighthouse for me in a sense. He he was a he was a hero. He was. I wanted to do what he did, and he he felt like an everyday kind of hero. He didn't feel like a superhero. He was the reluctant hero. Yeah. And he felt like someone you knew, and and you know I grew up in the '80s, so it was George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and and so here I was after 40 some years standing in front of my hero, and uh, I got to shake his hand, and I I told him that I was uh, in the midst of getting my pilot's license, which he was very encouraging about, and I also got the opportunity to say I'm also an actor, and I just wanted to thank you because uh, you're the reason. I am an actor and, uh, you know, he, he's, a <laughs> he has a reputation of being a kind of a gruff guy. So you, you know, and you always hear never meet your heroes, but he couldn't have been more generous with his time, took a photo with me and, you know, encouraged me. He said, you know, keep at it, both aspects, the flying and the acting. Yeah. And, uh, the whole interaction probably lasted all of 30 seconds to a minute. To me, I mean, I, I I I could break it down to to a half hour of of details, but uh, yeah. uh, it was just just the ability to to thank somebody that you look up to uh, for for his inspiration and his work, and I I got that opportunity, so I, I that's great. It, was, it was amazing. I mean, like, yeah. I said, like I grew up in the '80s too, so right away, you know, we think of Indiana Jones or we think of you know, Star Wars, yeah. and it's like, and you get to meet somebody you probably watched. You probably watched Indiana Jones and Star Wars more than a hundred times, I assume. In your, oh, in your, I mean, in your lifetime, yeah, <laughs> at least. Yeah. And that's the weird thing about this this celebrity culture is, and I'm sure this has happened to you, where you've been at a coffee shop and you've seen someone, you go, "God, I know that person. Where do I know? Did I go to school with that person?" And occasionally, I'll approach and I'll just say, "I'm sorry, did we know each other? No." And then it'll occur to me, "Oh, right, you were on Dawson's Creek," <laughs> you know. Or, <laughs> Because you spend hours watching this person's face, yeah. that that's that's the beauty of of film and television is is you can you can affect people, you can convey a relationship, you can create a relationship with complete strangers just by emoting and 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 being there. And it's hard for me to think that I don't know who Harrison Ford is. I've I've met him, but because I've spent hours if not days watching him go through 
all these, you know, yeah. scenarios and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very weird sensation. So, uh, how close are you to getting your uh, your pilot license? Well, I've done all the flying part of it. I just need to write the exams, right? The the, the test. Okay. And uh, and I was about to do it, and when travelers came around and travelers, there's a couple reasons. Number number one, it kept me busy. Number two, they don't really enjoy the idea of, you know, for insurance reasons, <laughs> yeah. their actors jumping into to airplanes, um, you know, at, uh, with so few hours. But uh, once I get meteorology and navigation down, then I'll, uh, I'll be confident enough to go in there and write that exam and, and get back up in the air. Now, what does that entail? Is, it like, is there a lot of, I assume there's a lot of math in that. Um. Yeah, the math isn't as bad. I just, I never paid attention in school when we were talking about weather and meteorology. Okay. Um, so, if, you know, you're talking about different cloud structures and low pressures and high pressures and and uh, and being able to read it and understand it and being able to compensate uh, your, your flying accordingly. That's new to me. Uh, navigation is, that's almost... Yeah, if there's any math, it's that. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's all fun. It's just the problem is I I've been out of school for so long yeah. <laughs> that that studying those sorts of topics uh, are a little tough. But yeah. uh, it's understandable. We'll get it done. Yeah. So now yeah. you you've been on you know on a few shows, Starcade and uh, Travelers. How did you like get into this whole like sci-fi world thing? Like, was this like something you wanted to approach, or just or it just happened? It just happened. It's, it's Vancouver is, is a hub for, for sci-fi. Um, and I, there, there are many reasons, and I, I don't pretend to know all of them, but one of them is just the, the geography of Vancouver. You, you can kind of have anything you want uh, in any you know, couple hours in every direction. Um, and so back in the 80s when, you know, uh, X-Files came in and, and Battlestar, and, I mean, Stargate started in the 90s. Yeah. And it just kind of became a a call of port for for sci-fi shows. So, starting your career in, in Vancouver, you're bound to end up on a, a sci-fi show in one way or another. I just I was lucky enough to uh, experience some of my favorite, like Battlestar, and I was a huge Stargate uh, fan. The the movie was so great, so I got to pop in and do those two series and then ended up as a regular on the, the third series. Um, and, and I am lucky to be have done that because sci-fi has something that other genres don't have. And that's the fans. I mean, medical dramas, I'm sure they have their fans, (laughs) but sci-fi fans, it's a completely different universe. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's indescribable. Um, it's kind of and, kind of uh, kind of like the superhero world there with the DC and Marvel and those shows. In a way, yeah. in a way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just, you know, people travel across the world just to to be with the fans of that same similar genre and uh you know, when you're an actor in that genre, you you're part of that family and part of that support structure yeah. which follows you, you know, in your career. Um, I, I have, you know, friends and fans on social media, which is, you know, a new thing as well to me, um, that, you know, 
saw me in something 10 years ago and they, they still continue to, to support. And that's, it's humbling. Your, uh, your social media game is pretty strong. I noticed you put, you put up stories every few hours on Instagram. Uh, well, that's kind of you. I'm, I know that my publicist uh, would disagree with you. Uh, I, I feel like I should be posting more, and <laughs> and uh, when I compare it to like my co-star Mackenzie Porter, who I think is 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 one of the best on social media, um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a private guy, so I think that's where the struggle comes in of, of what to post. And yeah. but if I keep it light and entertaining and and informative and things that interest me, um, hoping that'll interest other people, yeah. it's it's a great tool. Uh, what do you prefer more, uh, Instagram or Twitter? I would have said Twitter up until about two years ago. Okay. And then all hell broke loose in America, and uh, it's now just become a source of news and uh, frustration and, and anxiety that uh, I go on Twitter – I'm addicted. To, I mean, you know, the, the phone tracks, which apps you open and it's Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> it's constant. But if I had to choose, it would be Instagram because Instagram's a little more, it's a little lighter. Yeah. Twitter's just, uh, it's become quite depressing. It's, it's just, it's the Trump show now. Right. Uh, Instagram yeah. still has maintained its identity as, as a collage of a snapshot of people's lives yeah. and positivity. So, I agree with yeah, that. I think I'm all but off of Facebook now. You're off. Facebook? I haven't deleted my account. Yeah, but I've deleted the the apps and I've deleted the uh, um, the links, uh, you know, the, the bookmarks, and really trying to stay off it because I, I just doesn't it doesn't offer me anything and uh, <laughs> it sure has some bad uh, press in the last couple years and I don't think I want to contribute to any of that, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I got mixed feelings about that too because it's like I always tell my wife like the reason I feels like the feels like the reason I have Facebook is to talk to relatives in Greece. Other than that, hundred percent. Other than that, I really don't need it anymore. You know. Yeah, if it wasn't, if my mom and my cousins and my aunts and everything weren't on Facebook, I, I would immediately delete it. But yeah. uh, you know, I still want to see my my nieces and my nephews' exactly. pictures and. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tell us about your audition for The Travelers and how did you land that role? Um, yeah, I well, I had worked with Brad Wright, who created Travelers, on Stargate. Okay. And I got to know Brad really well about 10 years ago. And then when the, that show ended, Brad kind of went to his man cave to uh, uh, write. And I went off to, you know, try to make a living. And so years ago when this audition came up uh of course i jumped at the opportunity to work with brad again and i was sitting outside i think the first audition he wasn't there and then the second audition i was this is the i guess the screen test um i was waiting in the parking lot and when brad was coming in i, I arrived early because i was so nervous and brad knocked on the window and we had a big hug and a little chit chat and uh, just as he was leaving, he said, oh, uh, by the way, I wrote this role for you. So uh, <laughs> no pressure. And then he turns around and walks inside. And he states to this day that, yeah, he had completely intended on and writing this role for me. That's great. And what's fun about that, yeah, it was flattering and humbling. And But what was fun about that is when I read it, 
it made sense. It it had that same melody that we had played with in Stargate. It had, you know, I understand, I understand Brad's dialogue. He has such a talent for writing fun dialogue. Um, and it made complete sense to me. And so when I heard that it was, it was written in the direction of me, then it all kind of fit into place. So, uh, yeah, so I've spent the last three years just trying to make sure that he hasn't regretted that decision. <laughs> you know? So you played David uh, Mahler or Mailer? How do you pronounce the last name? Mailer. Mailer. Uh, David Mailer. So how close is yeah. that character to, like, you? Um, I mean, he's bound to have a lot of me in him. I think the biggest difference is that he's a very optimistic, uh, very open person, Um I'm kind of, I'm more cynical and, uh, a little more private, but, um, yeah. And, and me, he's, <laughs> I wish I was more like David, I think <laughs> is, is the point of all this. Um, and he's, you know, he's affable and he's, he's a, he's a bit bumbling and fish out of water in a lot of circumstances because he's, he set up his life when we meet David, he's a very, uh, structured, um, kind of a lonely person to be honest uh you know he gets his interactions with his work as a social worker but it's when he meets marcy one of these time travelers that his life kind of opens up um but also you know rattles the the cage a bit rocks the boat was it so yeah in answer to your question there's there's a, a bit of me in him but i wish i was more like him yeah so was it easy for you to prepare for that role um, to be honest, the first two episodes were tough. I think with any role that you're creating, that you're starting out with, it's, it's tough finding those, those idiosyncrasies and, the, and that pattern of, of, uh, caricature. Um, and it was a constant reminder of, of all the things that I wanted to put into David. And then eventually after, you know, you've done it for two or three episodes, those become second, second nature. And so going into the third season, I knew this guy, I had missed this guy I hadn't been around him in a year. And, but yeah, it, initially it was, it was, you know, you're, you're tiptoeing around making sure that, is this something David would do? Is this how David would do it? Okay. Um, but that's all fun. And that's, that's the fun of acting and creating. Now you have a lot of seeds with Mackenzie, uh, how is it working with her and like in the chemistry between you two? I remember in that that uh, screen test having a chat with with the director and Brad and and them describing the character of Marcy to me and they hadn't found Mackenzie yet and uh, so they said you know she's got to play this type of role and she's got to be able to do this and kick ass and, and go through all these these attributes that this character and this actor needed to bring to it. And I got, we got sat in silence and then I laughed and I said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> and then about a week later, I get a message on Facebook uh, from Mackenzie, who I'd known for a few years saying that she had booked this role. And I just said, of course, of course, that makes so much sense. And thank God for it. Mackenzie and I have become really close friends and, it's uh, we we know each other's work ethics now and patterns and um, it's really easy working with Mackenzie. That's great. She's just she's just a wealth of talent. 
um, and and a great communicator and a great support structure. You can you can throw out things as an actor, make make wild choices, and it'll never rattle her, and she'll come back with something you know even better. And uh, I've really lucked out with Mackenzie Porter. That's great. Now, do you have a like a favorite scene? for your character on the show or a favorite scene that you're with Mackenzie on the show? Um, yeah, I, I, if I had a favorite scene, it would be with Mackenzie. I'm just trying to think cause there's just some really, really sweet moments that, that we've had. Uh, <laughs> I think when, what, this might not be my favorite scene, but this is the one that's popping into mind. Season two, when I steal uh, Mackenzie's lottery numbers, because that's how the travelers finance their operation. They they have lottery numbers and they they play small stakes lotteries. And uh, I happen to just glance over and take her numbers, and so I win some money too. And <laughs> and at the end, she comes home and I tell her how I spent all my money and I did this and I did that and. And she's so supportive and it's just such a beautiful scene of, of revealing kind of who David is and Mackenzie, Marcy, uh, completely accepting and loving David for that. It just, I think those moments, you know, I mean, the show is very, you know, it's an action sci-fi show. Um, but the reason why there's so much action sci-fi is because they're fighting to save moments like, yeah. like that moment with, with Marcy and David, this, this, you know, uh, it's just any scene with Marcy, any scene with Mackenzie. So, so the show's about, you know, time travel and everything. If you can really do time travel, where would you go and why? Hmm. Uh, I would have liked to have known me as a little kid. I bet you I would have found myself entertaining, but I think that I would have liked to have gone 1920s Paris, I think is the answer I usually give. Okay. Um, just that whole kind of expat bohemian, you know, uh, Hemingway and Fitzgerald, Ezra Pound, just, you know, that whole kind of literary groups and uh, bohemian lifestyle, I think is really it really attracts me. I'd like to see that. You you mentioned uh, yeah. we mentioned earlier. You know, we both grew up in the eighties. Eighties was pretty. Uh, you know, for time travel shows and movies. I assume you were a big fan of Back to the Future. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Was there any? Yeah, other... I mean, it, it, there was. Go ahead. There was an online poll recently that the top Back to the Future is the number one show people want to remake, and I God, I think that'd be a mistake, but. Uh, yeah, other time travel shows you're asking? Yeah, were there other like other uh, time travel movies or shows that you enjoyed? In the 80s? Um, I mean, every time there was one, it would make an impact. Whether or not they were like shows I liked yeah. or different. But I, anytime there's a time travel show, I, I watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to it. And it's funny because I, I don't have that same sort of uh, relationship with travelers that you might have because I'm involved in it. Right. I yeah. travelers is a show. I wish I, I, I could watch without knowing anything. Um, but I remember there was a, sh a movie called uh, millennium uh, with, I think it was, was it Chris Christopherson and 
and uh, God, that was about you know it was the big where they would they it was kind of interesting they would they would somehow take like an airliner that was about to crash and take everybody off that airline just before it crashed and put dummies in there so that they could repopulate the future. Huh. Do you remember that movie at all? No, I don't. It's a really cool concept. And then of course there's Star Trek four. Okay. The voyage yeah. home. Yeah. That was cool. Back to the future, of course. Um, God, what else was there? Quantum leap. Quantum leap. Yeah. was one of my favorite TV shows. And, you know, we've got a, elements of Quantum Leap and Travelers, which I love. Um, yeah, anything that pops up time, time travel, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. Now, do you enjoy recording these uh, series where they're only like 8 to 10 episodes, especially for like Netflix? Yeah, I feel like um, the days of 22 episodes a season are, are kind of going away. And I think that that that's going to help the quality of, of television. I've always admired the British form of, you know, six episodes to a series and then a, a Christmas special. Yeah. Um, and they'll do two, two series and that'll be the end of it. Um, who was I talking to recently? I think it was, I think it was, it was a man from Iraq. I think it was saying that their TV shows always just go for one season. Um, and then that's it. Um, because I think the quality suffers when you're trying to fill 20 episodes for 10 seasons. And, uh, this way you've got a story to tell and you've got a concise time frame to tell it. And there's no filler. Um, you know, there's no, yeah. there's no need for it. And especially in this now with the advent of, of binge binging shows, Correct. which is the culture now, uh, People, I mean, I don't know how a 22-episode season dropping on Netflix would, would fare. Who knows? Maybe they'd love it because it's just more to binge. But I feel like people's attention spans are, there's just too much to watch. Yeah. Uh, I could watch two series, uh, you know, instead of one. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, um, a fan, I'm a fan of like the 10-episode seasons too. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're tight. I think the toughest part is that you got to wait a year for the next 10. Correct. <laughs> that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Are you? Uh, is there any favorite shows that you enjoy lately on Netflix? Do you have Netflix or Hulu or? I do. Yeah, I. Uh, I just I just got Netflix. Honestly, um, I just finished watching The Final Table, <laughs> which is a cooking uh, competitive show, which I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I just I find that given with the news and given everything else that's going on when I have time to sit down and watch TV, I'm watching things like the great British bake off or, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show <laughs> or <laughs> the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Just kind of, yeah. no. And it's just, it's a simplified time, but it's funny cause I'll be watching the Andy Griffith show and, and it'll be a dramatic episode where a drifter comes to town. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to, he's going to kill somebody. He's going to find Opie and he's going to kill him. <laughs> and I realized, I'm like, no, the best worst is going to happen. He's, he's going to loiter and then he'll, he'll become friendly and get a job and everything turns out right. Yeah, but right we're so, that. we're so accustomed to the twist and something dark happening that it's nice to kind of remind yourself like, Oh no, no, you know, this is just, everything's good. This is Disney. Yeah. We're all happy. Everyone's going to end up fine. <laughs> and uh, I'm finding I'm needing that more and more. Yeah. So, you know, you've worked hard your whole life in the acting world. What are some past projects that had the biggest, like, 
impact on you, you think? Um, I think just creatively, uh, my role on The Killing was, was a fun turning point for me. Uh, I was in four episodes of the first season, and I got to play a really kind of a colorful character. And I mean, we always... I think everyone's like this. They'll look back at things they did and say, oh, I could have done it better. I wish I'd have done this and that. And uh, although I, I do feel that way with the killing, I, I should be still proud that I was given the opportunity and was able to, to play such a colorful, unlikable character. Um, so creatively, that that was, uh, was a bright moment for me, just, just pushing my boundaries. Because in theater... In theater, I was playing women. I was playing children. I was playing hundred-year-old men. You know, you you play the roles that are given, and and you make it work. And sometimes, you know, it's it's fitting a square peg into a round hole. But it's fun trying to do it. But you get into film and television, and there's just so much talent. You know, competing for the same roles, yeah. and the the writing isn't like theater, and so you kind of end up playing guy next door deputy deputy number two friend next door you know a guy at bar drinking beer it's just it's all the same stuff over and over again and your your kind of comfort zone atrophies and and you play the same thing over and over again so to get an opportunity like the killing where i was playing this coked up billionaire was just like being back in theater um and yeah that's something that always sticks out with me so, you know, you met fans throughout your career. What's some advice do you give to somebody that tells you they want to be become an actor? What do you tell them? Uh, don't wait for it to come to you. Just do it. And that's the beauty of now with YouTube and cameras on your phone. When I grew up, I had to take my dad's video camera when he wasn't using it and edit VCR to VCR. And then I, you know, the only people that saw it were the people that had a VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> that I handed around and like, don't lose this. That was how I started. Now you can make a video right now and have a thousand views by, by dinner time. You're, um, you're right about that. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nobody, there's no one stopping you, but once you start doing it, I made this mistake when I first started was, you know, I arrived in Vancouver and I just, I said, okay, I'm here. And I waited for the phone to ring. And no one's looking for you. Nobody needs you. Um, you have to make yourself available and like, you know, in their line of sight. So get out there, do it. And uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, you, you go out and, you, and you meet people. You get involved in the community. You you go to film festivals and you you branch out and you meet more people. And now you know a sound guy. And you and he are going to make a movie, and now you've you've met a, a director, and now she's going to bring you on to her next film, and it's just it's all relationships and keeping that momentum going. Um, networking is a big key. Networking, that's the word I'm yeah. trying to think of. Yeah, it's doing it yourself and networking. Yeah. That that's God, that's eighty percent of it. <laughs> do you have like a dream role that you want to play someday? Do you want just do you want like someday go into like the comedy world, or do you want to stay with the sci-fi? I'd love to get into the comedy world. Um, and I've been lucky that a lot of my sci-fi stuff has been, you know, peppered with comedy. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I'd like to do that, but I'd like to get back to the stage. I think that that that's going to, to break down some paradigms and, and comfort zone issues that I have and, and get back to why I was an actor to begin with full immersion in, in, in that fantasy. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to be <laughs> confident enough that, you know, in my career that I can take the time off a film and television to do theater. Um, Especially when you're doing, like yeah, you said, the short, when you're doing the short episodes, you have time to, but when you're done with that, you can go do theater and then come back to filming your show again. Yeah. But I, I suffer from something that most actors suffer from is that the moment that a show's over, we say to ourselves, I'm never going to work again. <laughs> <laughs> so as it stands, I'm, I'm uh, unemployed right now and convinced I'm never going to work again. Yeah. But uh, history showed me that that's not true. So <laughs> maybe I'll be able to fit in a, a play yeah. soon. So you've done a lot of interviews and podcasts. What's something that you wish you got to ask that you never do on a podcast or interview? Oh, that's good. You know, what's funny about podcasts is that I always want to do them. And then when I do, I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sick and tired of talking about myself. Yeah. I want to talk about other issues. I want to talk about movies that, uh, that we're both excited about or, or fun scenes or, you know, I, I, I really want to talk about anything other than myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately that's not, I know. not why I get invited yeah. on, but, um, yeah, I, I listen to so many podcasts that I sometimes have to take a break and remind myself to listen to music yeah. because uh, there's just there's so much out there. And I always whenever I'm trying to sell people on podcasts who are, you know, on road trips, I'm like, what do you do like on these long road trips? I'm like, oh, I don't know. We'll play I Spy, listen to the radio. I'm like, oh, my God, if you get on a podcast, you can create the perfect talk radio station for yourself of every subject Correct. and celebrity and you know, any, any topic that you want. And, uh, there's just, there's, you know, it's like Netflix. There's just so much out there. I, I I'm discovering, I just downloaded a new one and I, I was downloading it last night. And I was so excited for it. And then I went, Oh my God, I'm never gonna have time to listen to this. I've got hundreds of hours of other shows. I need to listen to. <laughs> You're right. That's how my, that's how my iPhone is. It's full of podcasts. I'm like, well, you know, I'll listen to some of it at the gym or at work. And then I'm like, all right, well, uh, now what am I going to do? You know, yeah. it's like, they're just so backed up. And, you know, between that, you know, I have a family, kids. Right. There's just not enough yeah. hours in a day, like we say. There isn't. And, but what a great time to live in that we, we have this much access to, to information. Yeah. Um, and because I'm constantly, constantly learning. Like, I'll listen to this podcast on old Hollywood, and then I'll listen to this on the, the, the Fermi paradox. Or, you know, you're just con you're in school. You're just giving me more information. Yeah. And so anytime that my phone, you know, is running out of room, I just, I know I have to go to podcast and delete, you know, a hundred. Yeah, there you go. So you said, uh, you know, I got a question for you then. Uh, it's the holiday season. What is one of your favorite holiday movies? Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas is number one. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got, I've got that on, on repeat. Um, but this year I'm going to watch A Christmas Story because I feel like I've only watched that once. And then last week I watched a Holiday Inn, watch Holiday Inn, which is a, a, a <laughs> it's a great movie. Unfortunately, it still has this just horrible moment where they're all in blackface, which is really uncomfortable. Um, but uh, and I think another one I might watch this year is Bells of St. Mary. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah. I, was, I was waiting for you to say like you know like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or. Oh, I got that one last year. Die Hard, maybe. Die I'm Hard. Like, die Hard in. Home Alone, yeah. you know, or uh, Scro- <laughs> yeah. Scrooge with Bill Murray. I think Scrooge, Scrooge with Bill is Mur- another great Scrooge, one. Scrooge with Bill Murray is one of those movies where I don't think a lot of people like just feel the love for it. I'm like, you really got to understand Bill Murray and his character oh, God. in this. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I remember seeing it in theaters. And there's that great moment at the end where uh, everyone's singing... Uh, I don't put a little love in your heart. Yeah. Remember? Yes. And, he, and then he kind of, he starts, he breaks the fourth wall and starts talking to the audience going, now you, you in the left, in the, you know, the left side of the theater. Come on, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Now just the ladies, just the ladies. Do you remember that part? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the theater actually doing that. <laughs> it was really it, it was funny. I think that's like, that's, I think that's how really how Bill Murray would be, you know, like in a, in an environment, oh, totally. in an environment like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's legend. Yeah. So what's uh what's 2019 looking for you? Well, I hope it's busy, but um, you know, we'll we'll find out about season four hopefully sometime in January. Um, I've, I'm doing a the fifth season of You Me Her. I I, I hope. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a couple. Actually, I, I'm in three shows right now, and I'm just waiting to hear. If, on pickups for all three of them. So as it stands right now, like I said, I'm, I'm never working again. (laughs) I'm I'm unemployed. No, uh, no movies or anything. Um, I just finished a movie called endless, um, with, uh, uh, Scott Spear, uh, directing and, uh, Alexander ships in that Nicholas Hamilton. And I just wrapped that up. God, was it Friday? Um, yeah, I don't know when that's coming out, but uh, uh, that was a lot of fun to film. So, you know, there'll be uh, with with Travelers kind of coming out and Endless coming out. And then uh, these two other shows that I'm out call, coming out in 2019, I think I'll just be, be promoting a lot. And that's great. that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you on your favorite social media platform? At Patrick Gilmore. That's Twitter and Instagram. It's at Patrick Gilmore. Uh, Twitter is is more kind of ends up being political, but uh, uh, Instagram is a lot of fun, and and I like doing the stories. There you go, yeah. Patrick. This was a blast. Thank you for coming on. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks for chatting with me. So, and uh, you know, let's get you back on next year. Okay, let's do it. <laughs>